The upheavals and disruptions of our time due to COVID-19 has had an impact on virtually every sector of society. But one of the most fascinating questions that arises is regarding our entertainment. Essentially, entertainment as we know it has been closed down. There's no baseball season, no performing arts, theater, movies, going to a club, a comedy club, any form of entertainment in the public arena is not possible for already months after months. So the question is, what has it done to us? What is the role of entertainment in our lives? That's what we're going to be addressing now. Entertainment within. How dependent are you on outer stimuli? So, when things are running smoothly, and we had our schedules, and we had our season tickets or individual tickets to our favorite baseball games or baseball teams, or for that matter, other uh, sports or other entertainment outlets, we didn't think about it much. We're ready to spend a few dollars to do what? To be entertained, to be stimulated, to see two teams fighting each other, especially when you see excellence, to see them competing. The same with other forms of entertainment, to see a beautiful movie, watch an opera, a theatrical piece, a musical concert. All of these stimulate us. And it's been going on for years, everyone there with their preferences. We sometimes change preferences. It's a form of stimulation, no question. And nothing to argue about. It's not necessarily unhealthy stimulation. Maybe you get overdependent and you start living vicariously through sports stars or through actors or through Hollywood. But overall, we see performances of excellence, superb pushing the limits in great tennis matches or other forms of expression. It could even make you cry. Some people watching Michael Jordan in his good old days, in his heyday. Roger Federer in tennis. Same with football, basketball, baseball, soccer. You name it. But we didn't spend much time analyzing it. There was no need to analyze it. It's happening. It's easy to either go to a live event or to watch it on television. It was one of the easiest things in our lives. We had all our old plans around it. People's entire summer plans or general plans are often determined based on their entertainment needs or interests. But then it all came to a standstill. Everything I mentioned now had to be canceled because it's all in the public arena. And if you don't have it live happening in the public, you can't have a live broadcast. So, yes, some have been resorting to watching old reruns. We know it's not, it doesn't have the same stimulation. It doesn't have the same, that jolt that you get when you see a live event, the unexpected happening. Here you know who's going to win. You know the end of the story. And we know, especially sports, 
that type of being on the edge of your seat, the bottom of a fifth set, a tiebreaker at Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, Australian Open, the French Open, these great matches that we've seen and what it does to you, creates that type of energy. Or the Super Bowl, or for that matter, another football game, closed game, down to the fourth quarter, last seconds. A baseball game, tied in the bottom of the ninth, or extra innings. We all know, just by saying it, that feeling that we get inside. And for many, that's a, a, a type of drug. Again, not necessarily unhealthy. Is it meaningful? Does it have deeper purpose and spiritual, eternal and immortal meaning? Perhaps not. But it was a type of innocent stimulation. But now that has all come to an, a stop. So some people are waiting till it gets back. But it gives us an opportunity to step back and ask ourselves, what exactly was happening? What type of stimulation is this? So I know the scientists can tell us the dopamine and the other chemicals that it generates when there's that type of excitement, suspense, unknown, that competitive edge, that every given moment something can happen. And I'm using sports, but of course the same is true going to an exhilarating film or theater or other performing art, a musical concert, a rock concert. What kind of adrenaline that draws out of us? The energy, the pulsating energy. So I don't want to elaborate in this describing. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, each in their own area. Fill in the blanks, whatever it is that entertained you or entertains you. Feel that exhilarating rush. But now that it's paused, we step back and ask, what exactly did it do for us? And how dependent are we? on this outer stimuli? Is it possible, the big question, to to self-stimulate, to ignite that same energy, that same zest, that same drive, without someone else doing it for us, without some event doing it for us? Entertainment within. Because at the end of the day, it's in the human experience. It's not just what's happening outside, it's its impact on us. And so many other things, as I often mention, that when they're eclipsed, when the sun is eclipsed, the solar eclipse, it helps us see and appreciate things that cannot be seen in the bright light. When things are going according to schedule, routine, plan, as I mentioned, we take it for granted, we don't think about it much. But when it's paused, it's an opportunity to see what does it look like when we're not bound by it. When we can't look forward to a game tonight or to another form of entertainment. They say the word fan, sports fan or other type of fans, comes from the word fanatic. Short for fanatic, sports fanatic. But you never hear anyone say religious fans and sports fanatics. Fanatic is dismissed to those that are extremists. They get involved in things in terms of of, of black and white. Fanatics, zealots. But it's interesting, the word fanatic in sports, same idea, you can be, you're a fan, but a fan sounds good, it's great, it feels good. I'm a fan, I'm a follower. I'm a fan of a certain 
type of activity. So what those goes on? What does go on? So this, of course, challenges us to look. Challenges us to look inside, to peer inside, beneath the dashboard of our outer lives, our conscious lives. That we are human beings, and we're not just static machines that roll along, get fed, drink, sleep, breed, and move on. No, we're far more complex, far more dynamic individuals. And there's a need for stimulation of all forms. We need energy. We need to believe in something. We need to fight for something. That's very much part of human life. And when harnessed properly and directed and focused properly, it is what makes us the best we can be. The human being achieving, pursuing, and achieving excellence. Whatever field it may be, excellence in, in the mind, in, emotion, in emotional intelligence and growth, in the arts, skills, including what is expressed in the world of entertainment. All fine and good. So it's part of the, we'll call it the restless spirit within us that requires and feeds off and thrives on this type of stimulation, on tension and resolution, on pushing the boundaries, the limits, seeing how far we can go. Unfortunately, what can happen is, as I mentioned, you can begin to live vicariously. Instead of you doing it, someone else is doing it for you, and you're just observing. You're the observer. And you pay money, actually, to be an observer. It's a little ironic. What's the joke? What do they say? That in the baseball stadium, you have 60,000, 70,000 people who need to lose weight watching nine people who don't, or 18 people who don't, the nine people on each team. Yeah. Or when someone says, what are you into? I'm into sports. Oh, what games? Say, football, baseball. When, do you, when, when are you into it? Every Sunday. They say, so where do you go? I say, I stand, I sit on my couch, and I watch all this play. That's called being into sports. We're not even pushing our own selves. But we live vicariously through them. I know people who live vicariously through soap opera characters. They cannot wait. They have to record it if they're in the middle of work. Then it's already crossing over of your own responsible life and stimulating yourself in, from within or with you, other human beings and allowing yourself to really become something that you're not. Someone else is doing it for you, but you're engaging in the eye candy. You're watching it. You're observing it. You're rooting for it. Again, does it always mean that it's unhealthy? But when you start asking yourself, if that becomes your life, that second life, and when someone asks you, and how is your own life going on? Not the world, your entertainment interests. Not much happening. I'm pretty bored, but I can't wait to watch something tonight. I can't wait to attend a boxing match. I can't wait to see a game. I can't wait to watch a new movie, listen to new music. So where's the boundary of outer stimulation and inner stimulation? Well, one thing is for sure. If it's all coming from outside, the beginnings, if not the beginnings, it could be serious problems. Because you're unable to just sit alone and get that type of rush. 
If it's balanced, where you say, tonight I'm going to go out with some friends, going to see people. I don't know if today that works, but in, the, in, in regular times, let's put it that way. And at the same time, you have your own inner life. So in the words of Hillel, if I'm not for myself, who will be me? You have that inner. And if I'm only for myself, what am I? We need social contact. But if all your life is about living vicariously through others, and it's all about what others think about me or what I feel when I'm with others and I'm stimulated by others and you're unable to be with yourself, that can bode trouble. Because a human being, a healthy human being, has your own spirit that you should be able to generate, self-generate, stimulation, energy. And then when it's complemented by others, then you have the full package. So here's the challenge, my friends. Can we find ways of entertaining ourselves from within? Entertainment within. Or have we become so addicted and so dependent on outer stimulation that we have no clue what to do? As someone on the front line, I can tell you, thousands of people that I've been heard from, whether in speaking to me or writing, are facing this dilemma. Just to quote one that comes to mind, I am terrified of being alone. I've always had something to stimulate me. I've always had something to excite me. I love to go to different restaurants. Now I can't do that. Different foods, different cuisines. I love to travel. That's out. And now I'm left to my own accord, my own resources, and I'm really terrified. Please help. So my response is very straightforward. Whatever it is that that travel did for you, whatever it is that that, those culinary cuisine, the, um, the variety did for you, or any other form of entertainment, it did it for you. Do you think it's the object that controls the stimulation or it's you responding to it? So the question is, can you find an alternative? And the answer, absolutely yes. Is it easier just to have, press a button and here you go, entertainment tonight? Of course it's easier, but it's more meaningful when you really be able to discover what is it doing for me and what else can touch me in that way. And this brings me to another word called the monotony of life, the monotony of routines, the boredom. It's very easy when you're going through your um, mechanical robotic schedule. I'm talking that's pre-BC, before Corona before COVID. So you had your day schedule, going to work, the different activities, but you look forward tonight after work, I'm going to go home, shower, dress up, we're going to a party. Or we're going to some other stimulating event. Maybe a game, maybe a movie, maybe a play. And think about the looking forward to it. Throughout the day, what keeps you going is, oh, it'll soon be over, I'll do my job, and I can't wait. It actually, in a way, energizes your day. You do your job a little better, because that night, you know you're going out. Now that place you're going to has nothing to do with your job, in most cases. In many instances. But it keeps you going. It's like looking forward to the weekend, going on 
tra- traveling somewhere. So the whole week becomes a less stressful, less tense. Because I know the end of the week. And what indeed happens? That the routine, the monotony of life, as the cynics put it, the more things change, the more they stay the same, is broken by that entertainment. I'm just using entertainment in a broad word. It could be travel, it could be something very meaningful as well. So it's broken. That routine is broken, and that does something for us. It frees us to a certain way. But you have a compartmentalization going on. Here, you have your routines, your habits, your patterns. And you have the redeeming factor. The weekend, the evening, the morning, vacation time. Many people look forward to summer that way. Summer months won't be so pressured. Be able to lie on the beach, relax, read some books, have some fun, go out with friends, drinks. So essentially, you can, you can say, since the spirit needs to be fed, we're not dead human beings. I don't mean it corpses. We are spirits. We're alive. We're restless. We have this energy going on. And many, much of our lives can be boring or monotonous or robotic, routine-like, by rote. So we have these escapes, these outlets. And that's what energizes us. And it can keep you going. I read once uh, that um, when they were developing the metric system, which is all rounded by 10, 100,000, so we don't go by the metric system. In Europe, they do. So everything is in tens and hundreds. We have seven things in seven. We have things in a different structure. We have 12 inches to a foot and so on. So they also wanted to make to make it really rounded, that the week should be 10 days a week. But that was never accepted. It was, exce- it was given that 10 days before a weekend, people would go nuts. You have to give them the weekend faster than that. So they could not make that into a 10-day cycle. So it became a five-day work week. There's been much talk from time to time. It crops up again. Make a four-day weekend. In Europe, they like to say that Americans live to work, and we Europeans work to, li- work to live. Regardless, it had to be limited because human beings have that much, their, their threshold and patience level is not that high. So we need a weekend. We need the breaks. So in that sense, entertainment, if you analyze it, so-called, let's call it the spirit of entertainment, is about escape. It's about finding release relief and yes that includes also the possibility where people regular entertainment isn't enough regular breaks are not enough they need a greater rushes of excitement and that can also spill over into things that are destructive called addiction what is an addiction that people don't get addicted it's someone that's alive and needs stimulation needs energy and is not finding it in a regular way so they're looking for that rush and then they become dependent on it they can't generate it themselves, they're dependent, whether it's a drug, whether it's alcohol, whether it's gambling, whether it's sex addiction, porn, other forms of addiction, and there are many, many, many forms. What is it essentially? So I like to refer to it as an attachment disorder. You need to be attached. That's the natural state of a human being, to be attached. 
Nine months in our mother's womb were attached, in a good way. Dependent, attached, nurtured, immersed, engulfed in the embryonic fluids. Hopefully after birth, that continues. Our parents completely surround us, encompass us with love. And I don't mean the love that suffocates, the love that nurtures, that loves. Attachments, connections, so much so essential to human beings. And throughout our lives, then become the attachments and connections to family members, to classmates, to teachers, to friends, to peers, and it broadens as we get older. If the attachment has never been properly nurtured or severed, God forbid, we need attachment. We need it. It's like as important as oxygen, even more. So we search for it anywhere. So someone who's really needy in that way can get into trouble because they're very vulnerable, very fragile, very clingy, and sometimes can be manipulated. Someone's giving them love, and they're starving for it. It could be someone. It could be something. It could be an action. It could be an object. It could be a foreign substance. A substance. That becomes the stimulant that gives us relief. I'm not going to compare regular healthy form of entertainment with that. Just wanted to point out how we humans, because we're alive, life needs oxygen, life needs fuel. Oxygen, physical oxygen, is good for the breathing, for our respiratory, for being able to breathe, the breath of life. But there's another form of oxygen, and that is that which stimulates the natural energy of your spirit and soul. Now, if we were inanimate entities like a stone, stones don't need entertainment. They're fine as they are. Though I've never interviewed, nor do I understand the psyche of a stone. For all I know, who knows what's going on. But at least to our ostensible eyes, it doesn't seem that way. But humans are not that way. And even animals who also needs some measure of stimulation. You see young animals play with each other and how they're nurtured. But humans is a whole different game, a whole different level. We, it's part of our very fiber of existence to create that fuel, the fuel for the soul, we'll call it. That's essentially what all anything that stimulates you is doing. If it's really unhealthy, it's coming from an unhealthy place, and it becomes... You become a slave to it. Those are the two signs. You're dependent on it and you're a slave to it. And it's not, and it's not coming from within you. The two signs is that has to coming from outside of you and you're a slave to it. The outside part is if it's balanced, as I mentioned, that you also are able to stimulate within. But we're not talking about addiction now. I just digressed a moment because I wanted to just demonstrate how there's a full picture here when you look at the things that excite you. If you were to make a list, what excites you? Some might be very constructive, some may be very destructive. So let's go back to the entertainment dimension. So what it's really doing is fueling that spirit. But in many cases, as I said, it's compartmentalization. It's not your natural flow. Most of my life is monotonous, but I have these moments. And maybe we have many moments. Today with a mobile phone, you can get yourself entertained any given moment, any time, anywhere. So we have more outlets, more outlets for relieving and filling that void in our spirit. But you can already imagine where this is going. 
thinking it thinking thinking of it that way, that it's fuel for the spirit, then the question is, one second here. Is it really that activity or that event or that game that is what's necessary? Or it's the fuel that's necessary? And that's where we lose sometimes distinction. The object has become more important than what it's doing for you. Or I should put it the other way. What it's doing for you, you feel is completely dependent on that particular object, and that's not the case. Basically, what I'm saying is that whatever stimulates you, whatever ignites your spirit, when you go to a competitive game or entertained in another way, is available to you internally. We just easier and so convenient not to have to stimulate yourself. You just press a button. You turn on a show. You go somewhere. But in this day and age, we are compelled to look within. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about alternatives. And again, I'm not here to... Uh, it's not a, uh, a, uh, a fire and brimstone sermon attacking entertainment for its frivolity or its emptiness, its nonsense, its superficiality. It's really understanding ourselves. So let's talk about the spirit. The human spirit, from the, from the moment of conception, but let's say from the moment of birth, is a restless force. Just look at children. They're always moving. They're always exploring. Even newborn children with their eyes. Stimulation is not their problem. A very young child rarely will say, I'm bored. They'll only say it once they hear it from an adult. Because children, they just explore. You ever see a newborn child, a child that starts crawling around? Goes everywhere. That's where you have to protect. Child's exploring because it's natural state. Before it's been conditioned and programmed and directed and criticized and, and, and uh, manipulated and brainwashed and programmed, its natural state is movement, mobility. You even see when people go to sleep, they fall asleep. You know, sleep, you, you move around and during it to sleep. Not all the time. Because that's a natural state of a human being, movement. Movement is an expression of and a fuel that feeds the energy of the spirit. Energy, by definition, is always on the move. It's never static. It's never standstill. It's always moving. Sometimes quicker, sometimes slower, sometimes more obvious than others. The example, the flame of the divine is the soul of a human being. A soul is compared to a flame. Look at a flame. There's a flame for any, even a split second stop. Flickering all the time. You go to the waves of the ocean. It's constantly flowing. Relentless movement. So if you were to try to contain a flame and say, I'm going to try to bottle, excuse me, to bottle it and stop it from flickering, what will happen? You'll have to extinguish it. That's the only way. It's so inherent to the flame movement, you can't separate the two and say, I want the flame without the flickering. It doesn't work. I want the waves without the movement. It doesn't work because movement is not a component. It's not like a dead object that happens to be moving. Its whole being is movement. The same is true with us. That's why children just move about. 
the truth is all of us move about, but we slow it down, we control it, we try to become, some people think it's a goal to become a couch potato, to do nothing. I can't resist the joke I always share. One old man sitting on a bench, very depressed, his friend comes over to him and says, what's the story, Irving? Very bad day today. My, My wife is extremely upset at me. What's new? She's always upset at you. No, today's something extraordinary. What happened? In the morning, we had breakfast. All was nice. My wife is going to work. She asked me, so what are you going to do today, Irving? I said, nothing. She looked at me, and she said, nothing. You said that yesterday when I asked you what are you going to do. And he responded. Irving tells his wife, I wasn't finished. I didn't finish doing nothing. And my wife went ballistic. Some people think it's a goal to do nothing. And if they haven't finished, they haven't finished doing nothing. It's so against the grain of human nature that in a sense we're like eating poison when you do nothing. Because we human beings are by nature, life means to be productive. Life means to move. Life is mobility. Life is growth. Life is a journey. Try to fight the journey. It's like trying to bottle a flame and turning it to a flame, a non-flickering flame. Yeah, maybe in a picture. But even a picture captures it. But a picture is a dead object. That's what happens. Now, we don't necessarily feel the results, the effects of that. But the, your spirit and soul sure feels it. Because we get away with it. We say, you know, I'm a little lazy today. I'm going to sleep a little more. I'm going to do nothing. What you're really doing is taking your spirit and telling it, we're not going to let you move. It's taking a live force, like a flame, that wants to spread its wings, wants to travel, wants to journey, and I don't mean physically, I don't mean physically, I mean psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. No. It's like someone coming and put you into a straitjacket. What would you feel like? After a few minutes, what do you feel? Besides claustrophobic, completely trapped, you're enslaved. A spirit thrives, not just thrives, its nature is movement. So in this modern day and age, well, not just today, throughout history, we found ways to give that spirit some, some dose. Now again, that doesn't mean always that it's a negative thing. It becomes negative when you ourselves are not moving about and all you want is the dose. What's the dose? Well, go to the We'll go to the Colosseum, the good old Roman days. Let's see the gladiators, the Olympics, other forms of competition. Some was quite bloody, actually. But what did it do? Suddenly made people feel alive. What's the problem? If they're not feeling alive before going to the Colosseum, before being entertained, whatever form of entertainment, whether it's more subtle or less subtle, there's something deeply wrong. It means you have basically atrophied into something that's like a couch potato. But from time to time, because you can't survive the boredom and the monotony, a human being can, we're going to go, we're going to hire someone to entertain me. I'm going to hire a juggler. I'm going to hire an artist, a magician. To do what? Get me excited. So for that moment, like sugar-coated high, I'm excited. Now, what happens when there's the downer? You find quickly another form of excitement. And it all depends how often and how much you can afford. 
Can it spill over to destructive? Absolutely. Because the whole thing is based not on who you are. It's based on, I am going to essentially shut down that living spirit within me and let something else to stimulate and somewhat give that spirit a sense of excitement. Now you hear some of these uh, almost obscene scenes of emperors and kings who could do whatever they wished and they were, many of them, decadent, corrupt, the lowest level, spoiled. So they would have people come entertain them. And they would laugh. And they would uh, feel stimulated. Why don't you entertain yourself? Hire people to entertain you. There's that analogy they give. There was a prince, a nobleman, traveling. And he was coming to the palace, to his home. He sees from a distance a beautiful sight. He sees a farmer working in the field with a, what they call that, cutting the wheat. And he loves the motion of it. It's so poetic. And he was a romantic. So beautiful. He goes with his entourage over to this fellow and says, Who are you? I'm a farmer. Who owns this farm? Your family owns it. We lease it. We rent it. And I try to make a living. We sell grain. And I work in the fields all day. He says, It's so beautiful. The, that swing of yours. That motion of yours. How much do you make? So he told him uh, the nominal amount. He says, I will pay you 10 times the amount. And you don't even have to work in the heat of the sun. Come to the palace once a week. I want you to come to a big room. We have a big room with a stage. And bring your tools. And go through those motions. Half hour, 45 minutes. 45 minutes a week. You don't have to work. I'll make 10 times what you're making right now. I just want to see it. I love the symmetry. I love the harmony. I love the way you do it. Come dressed up in your farmer's garments. Okay, you know, the farmer was very, not really motivated to do it, but 10 times as much with very little effort. Anyway, the show began. Let the show begin. And yes, the prince would come down and with his few of his people going to watch and the farmer went through his motions one day two days one week two weeks comes back and says to the prince no i think I'm, I'm i don't want to continue doing this why not there's no sun it's not hot it's 45 minutes instead of a full day i see no results from what i'm doing i'm just going through motions i'm entertaining you that's when entertainment and even the sports industry becomes, I would say, macabre, even to the point of disturbing. People are working hard. You know, they talk about concussion, the book Concussion, film Concussion about football, how the strikes to the head ultimately create brain damage. I remember reading an article about boxing. The whole boxing is the excitement not a blood sport literally but the goal was to get to, to draw blood to knock someone out knock someone out is not just a punch it means you knock their brains that the brain has a certain amount of latitude but that's the goal that create a concussion or create a brain that so knocks person out the daylights out of them they say 
That's called a knockout. So some people call it violence. Others say it's at the edge, it's enough. Football is coming to terms, not yet, because part of it is that aggression. You cut out that whole aggression, turn it into touch football, you won't have those fans. But the end of the day is these are people being hired and paid top dollar. Yes, top dollar. Millions and millions to entertain. Now, I'm not taking away from the talent and so on, but how much of it is an industry? How much of it is money-related? But most of us, we go to be stimulated. Again, this is not attacking. I'm not here to attack all these things, but I remember reading a whole book, a very also a very sad book, about what ballet dancers have to go to their feet to entertain. Is it beautiful? Yes. But at what cost? Not just cost to the human body and brain, but also human cost to the psyche. What happens to models or other people who perform physically and then they age and they quite can't, they can't quite do what they did once? They're older now. They've weakened. Their looks are different. It's a sad side. is the ugly side that we don't talk about. You know, all the glamour. What happens when the glamour is long gone? And someone is told, you know, you're 28, you can't model anymore. You're already starting to have wrinkles. Whatever the age may be. This is where the material world that is so superficial and so gets stimulated instead of finding your own stimulation. So the end of summing up what I said, the soul is energy. Energy, by definition, is mobile, is moving. It's restless and is fueled by stimulation. Stimulation, the soul itself is a stimulate. So, what is the healthiest forms of stimulation? Let's start from the bottom up, or from the top down, from within, from the inside out, I should actually say. When the soul is stimulated by an idea, by an emotion, by love, by a relationship, she'll say, one second, those are also outside forces. No, they're not. Because you have to bring yourself to the relationship. It's not a relationship on, in a film and you say, I love those, the, those actors who are having an affair or a courtship. You have to bring yourself, your emotions, you have to be vulnerable and you have to be receptive and you have to be giving and you have to be sensitive. Yes, you have to pay a price for a relationship. If it's my intellectual stimulation, you have to use your mind. You can't just say, here's a smart guy and I'm just going to watch him use his mind or her use her mind. And the same thing with all the faculties. The faculties of the soul, as the mystics and the Hasidic masters put it, are the, the way the soul expresses its energy. And in turn, how the soul is stimulated. So think of it this way. The soul has many powers, many faculties. One of it is creativity. I'm using an example, creativity. You're able to actually express that creativity, let's say, through writing or through acting, or through playing music, or through another skill. Not someone else playing music, and you enjoying it. We'll talk about that in a moment. When you don't act on the faculty, you don't act on your skills, so it's sitting dormant inside the soul. The soul is meanwhile churning this churning engine of, of constant relentless energy, as I said, like a flame, like the waves, and waiting to be released. You can imagine the frustration so what does it happens? Because the soul needs something and you know it, it's hungry. You go get yourself stimulation. You're going to go watch someone else perform. Someone else entertain you. 
So the soul is getting a fix. But now imagine this scene. The soul uses its own faculties. One of the faculties is the mind. It's one of the faculties. The Chachma Bina Das, to conceive, to understand, and to know. Another faculties are the emotions, to love, discipline, compassion, ambition, humility or, or yielding, bonding, and dignity. These are human emotions. So when you express them, what's happening is the soul is having its outlet through its own faculties. If it's not expressed, the soul is like bottled up. You ever feel people say, I feel trapped within. I feel I'm not really living up to actualizing my potential. Actualizing potential is exactly what the soul needs. Actualizing through the faculties. Now, if the soul had no faculties, think of it this way. It would be like an energy bottled inside the soul with no form of release. The faculties are its release. This is the way it expresses itself. So you sit down to write. Your soul is driving through your mind and your emotions. You're getting it down in words. Playing music. Showing love. A relationship. Is the soul expressing itself. Being stimulated while it's stimulating. And it works both ways. The faculties express the soul's energy. And the soul in turn gets energized. This is the most natural and internal form of entertainment. Entertainment within. When I use the word entertainment, I don't mean entertainment in a frivolous or shallow way. I mean it, it is stimulation within that's replaced. When you don't do that and you start depending on other things to do it for you, entertainment without others or activities or actions or substances or whatever it is, that's doing instead of you being part of it, expressing it, then it, it can be useful, but it's not you. Now, this, I could never give this talk before COVID because people would say, I'm going to a party. I don't even have time to hear, listen to you. I'm going to a game. I'm going to some other form of entertainment. But now, this is the time we can ask ourselves, you really think you're dependent on that? Do you see anybody committing suicide, God forbid, or getting depressed? There's no baseball season. Everyone thought you can't live without it. It never stopped. They were always told it never stopped, even during World War II. And 9-11, the baseball season paused for a few days. I remember I was then on MSNBC being interviewed. Mark McGuire was there, the home run slugger of the St. Louis Cardinals. And they asked him, Mr. McGuire, when is life going to go back to normal? When is the baseball season going to resume? And this hunk said something really profound, which shocked the anchor people there. He said, what do you mean real life? This is real life. Life and death, this is real life. Sports, baseball, that's escape. This was his living, but he understood it. So again, not taking away from what it achieves, but only as a complement only as an additional element to the recognizing that it's your spirit that's alive. And when you're sitting and cheering for someone else, yes, there's a certain exhilaration involved. And it's feeding your soul for the moment, but it's not truly, truly you. It's an outer activity that's like injecting sugar into your system. You know when it's good? When it's coming from within you, the sugar. 
the high is coming from within you because it's your stimulation. That stimulation includes interacting with others, including at times having some entertainment. But then it's a whole different story. It's balanced. You say, what about reading a book? Is reading a book like going to a game or a show? Well, it's interesting. Reading a book is far more internal. It's true. You didn't write the book. It's an author that's stimulating you, except not through visual, through uh, visual meaning visual arts like film or watching a game or, or sound. It's through reading. But it forces you, in a good way, compels you to use your mind when you read. Playing a video game, on the other hand, again, is stimulation, but it's not you not engaging in it. You'll say, what do you mean? I need my talent. I know how people get experience with video games. It's part of the hypnosis. They get you to feel that way. And I'm not saying there isn't any skill to it, but it's much more the stimulation, not from within, engaging you to some extent. Reading a book requires immersion, it requires reading. But even more so, sharing a story or telling a story to people who love each other, just look at each other. When's the last time? Now we have the opportunity. Eye to eye, heart to heart, soul to soul. Then you're fully engaged. So a book, I would say, has a little outer, but a lot of inner. You can gauge it. Look at the things that entertain you and try to um, create a type of slide. How much of it is outer? How much of it is inner? Some is completely outer. There's nothing to do with you at all. You're just watching someone else. There's no art in watching a game. Yes, you may need to learn the rules, and you analyze it, and we can, we can deceive ourselves into thinking it's a whole life. We're going to discuss the trades. We're going to discuss moves. We're going to discuss different, um, different um, personnel. Being fired, being hired. It's all part of the drama. But how much of it is it you? Let's be honest. How much are you even in control of? But they got you. It's a drug that got you. You've become a fanatic, a fan. And then there are things that are completely inner stimulation. And then there are things that are somewhere in between. You're sitting with someone you love and having a conversation. Is it outside, outer stimuli or inner? It's both in a healthy relationship. You bring yourself. The other person brings themselves. They excite you and through their uniqueness and, their, and the diversity between the two of you. And you bring what you bring. That's called, it takes two to tango. It's a dance. So there are plenty of stimulation that is, that is a combination of both. But it's healthy to be able to define. And then say to yourself, how many things that I do today or this week that are completely stimuli from without? And how many stimuli from within? And how much is the combination? Now it's very obvious why we turn to the out. Because we're not used to. We're not even confident. We may not even believe that our souls are alive and I can stimulate from within, meaning using my mind, my emotions, my heart, and all the ten faculties I described before. There's so much. Your passions. What are you passionate about? I can tell you five months ago, six months ago, you asked many young people, or all people, in my, at least in the Western world, passionate. Some people would say sexuality, relationships, love, um, sports, entertainment, money, Maybe someone added a value or two, building a nice home, a family. You ask people today, if they think about it, that outer is less there. So many people are focusing much more on inner values. What do I stand for? What do I stand for? 
what kind of mark I want to make in this universe. What am I ready to fight for? All these are internal and inner forces at work. What are my faculties like? What am I, what, how am I wired? What am I good at? What skills, what talents am I using them? Now, yes, when you go to a concert or you see someone play music, I mentioned that before, that's somewhat like reading a book. But maybe a little less because it doesn't require so much of your effort and immersion. But it's beautiful to see a great master playing music. And the music touches us. That doesn't take any effort, it just does. So I'm not going to dismiss it as completely stimuli from without. It's, but if you only get it that way, however, if you come and think about it and say, let me listen to that music, what is it doing to me? What emotions does it evoke? What responsibilities does it compel me to do? How does it make me a better person? How do I become a better person with more love, with more kindness and sensitivity? Then you know that you're engaged. If it's just an entertainment, we had a great show, let's move on, I felt great that night, then what's lacking is you're not there, you're being carried by something else. It's not your natural you. Something else has replaced the you involved, which is one of the reasons when people ask me the question, what's wrong with uh, taking some psychedelics or other drugs? Because you transport it to a place, but you haven't earned it. It's like someone taking to a beautiful place, you're experiencing things, but have you experienced it? Have you paid the price? Can you return and tell about it? Or do you need another high? That's always the sign. Same thing with a book, by the way. You read a book, and it's a nice, great book, and that's where it remains. But if you internalize it, what are the lessons learned? How did it teach me more about the human condition? how it improves my life and the life of others. That's the key. If you can take entertainment or sports game and do that, that also demonstrates some partnership from the inner and the outer stimuli. And that's the point we want to make here. We're not talking about eliminating all outer stimuli. Obviously, we need it. But not to be dependent on it. The other way around, it starts from within. And then use everything that comes your way, by all means, as a lesson to your life. So it's no longer living vicariously through others. So you walk on the street and you see something beautiful, a beautiful scene. You can say, how beautiful it is. No, more than that. How beautiful does it show me the world is like? It shows me the beauty of others, the beauty of my own soul. What lessons do I learn from it? This is called internalizing. Seeing yourself not as an observer, as a bystander, but as a player in the game. Seeing yourself as someone that's proactive and part of what's happening, part of writing the script of the unfolding drama of your life and of the life of the world. There are three types of people. People who make things happen, people who watch things happen, and people who ask what happened. Today in the fake news era, there's a fourth category. They tell you what happened, but they never did. But let's not talk about that. Who do you want to be? You want to be someone who makes things happen. That doesn't mean there aren't events outside of you, but you become part of them because you internalize it, and then you give. It's a give and take. You are bringing yourself into the picture. 
You're not just escaping. I'm here and the experience is happening out there and I'm watching it. I'm hiring them to entertain me. Or I'm paying for them to entertain me. Or however it's structured. No, you're part of the process. And when you think of it that way, then we become the microcosm of all of existence. And then yes, all those outer stimuli and entertainment become lessons in life. Lessons what? To teach you about yourself and about your, your restless and energetic and pulsating spirit. The one that's always on the move, like a flickering flame. Being fueled by your expression and in turn the expressions and experiences are fueling your soul. Entertainment within. And then when we go back, what people call the norm, last week we discussed what is the new norm like, hopefully it's not going to look like it was, but much richer. Then you look at everything differently. One day you'll go to a baseball game and think about these words and say, there was a time I couldn't go. But it taught me something. It taught me that I can have that rush. I can have that passion from within. I can find within myself those things that stimulate. Talk about competitive forces. I have competitive voices within me. The voice of the selfish voice, the selfless voice. There you have two teams, equal. All trying to win, to conquer you. So you have the battle going on within you. That's very exciting. But more importantly, you have control who's going to win. When you go to a baseball stadium, a baseball game, you can't control who's going to win, no matter what superstitious beliefs you have. This and that is not more engaging. However, it's more difficult because no one else is doing it for you. You have to do it yourself. Next time you sit in, at a game, think about that. What is the game within me? There's a game going on. And I don't mean a game in a, in a dismiss, dismissive way. I mean a game of battle. A good battle that you can win. Every two teams, two players, pitted against each other. Your evil and your good inclination. I should say your good and evil. Your selfish voice and your selfless voice. The giver and the taker within you. That's how we develop from within an entire system. I've met people that didn't need any outer stimulation. They could do it all within. But then, part of it is also to extend it and experience it with others. I hope this gives a new take, a fresh look, at the word entertainment, which is so much part of our lives, and in many ways so has been so, has been so disrupted nowadays, and helps us look at ourselves, look at the world in a new way, which is what we are all about. Meaningful Life Center. Website, meaningfullife.com. Please visit, subscribe. We have a whole list of subscriptions, including to these weekly programs and other programs. We have quadrupled our output probably even more than that, hundreds of new programs addressing the issues of our time, the challenges that we all face, the concerns, the fears. And I appreciate all the help and all the support and all the encouragement we receive from you. So please, we are all, as I said, one symbiotic reality. We are all connected, part of the story. There's no us and them. There's no outside and inside. Yes, the world looks that way. But when you ask any basic science teachers today, it's an integrated world. Subatomic particles, all interconnected. 
That's our calling, to connect each other, to find each our unique voices and see how they cross-pollinate and interconnect and empower each other in this great, beautiful cosmic symphony. So MeaningfulLife.com, please go there, subscribe, share, like. We're on all the platforms possible. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, social media. It's always an honor and pleasure. Every Wednesday, 8.30 is this program. This is called the Weekly Masterclass that I give on these central topics. But we have many other programs. You'll look at MeaningfulLife.com, the full schedule our weekly schedule, daily schedule of events and programs. And please, share your thoughts, your comments, your feedback. Really would love to hear from you. This has been Simon Jacobson, Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com. Thank you very much. Be blessed. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.